a circle. Simple, round, refined. A shape that was spoken into existence with the universe. And a shape that holds powerful meaning. We see this shape all over creation. The sun, stars, our earth. And we find it in some of our most precious possessions. It's a beautiful symbol of wholeness and completeness. A symbol of infinite motion. It's a shape that represents love and commitment. And a symbol of unity. Unity. An idea of connectedness even when separated. To be a group of people moving in the same direction with the same heartbeat. It's an idea that we, as a family of churches, are better together than we are by ourselves. We were never meant to be alone. And we believe in being a community of action that our love for one another will drive us beyond the four walls into our communities to share the transformative presence of God with our neighbors. It's a love that brings families back together. That's the community we strive to be, bringing heaven to earth. Amazing things happen when a group of people commit to one cause, when they rally around the same mission, something happens. You have a movement. A God-given mission and vision for our future. God has given all of us a unique part to play in accomplishing what He has set before us. And we are most impactful when we stay true to who God has called us to be. Because the kingdom of God doesn't need any more replication of other ministries. And it doesn't need any more imitation. What it needs is innovation that comes through obedience. For we experience no greater freedom than when we are walking in step with Christ and going where He has called us to go. But we know that our God is for us. And we know that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. So here we stand with a lamp on our feet and a light on our path, coming alive to our calling. For we are Grace Capital Church, and this is our awakening. You guys ever watch the movie Braveheart? None of this is in it. In the movie Braveheart, he gives, William Wallace gives this stunning speech to all of them. You know, we're gathered around and we are family, we are countrymen, and gives this whole speech. And um, then, I don't know, one of the other guys that's with him says, you know, well, you know, now what are you going to do? Where, where are you going? And he's kind of trotting around on his horse and, you know, he's, I'm going to pick a fight. And then off he rides, well, this morning, I feel like I want to pick a fight. Um, I, I, so who's first? I, 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 want to, I want to push some buttons this morning. So forgive me right off the bat, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to. And I, I, I feel like I'm in good company because each of the verses that we read through um, where Jesus speaks, Jesus offended people too. Jesus picked some fights. He poked people where they were tender. Um, not because he wanted to push people away, but because he was trying to call people closer. He was trying to draw them towards him, draw them into the kingdom of heaven. This morning, we're working through uh, awakening our values as a church, and this is the fifth week. And our fifth week, the, the value that we have, the value that I want to communicate to you right off the, right off the front is this. Our community should want us. Our community should want us. That's the value. That's a value that we have here at this church. 
Our community should want us. Now, it would be really easy for us to, you know, I, I, we could sit here for a while and I could give off a laundry list of, you know, we did the vacation Bible school and we're, and we're loving, you know, people in our community. We're, we're connecting with those who are refugees and those, you know, the, the sojourners, as scripture talks about, that we're supposed to provide aid for and care for and love to. We, we could talk about that. We could talk about different things we do with the city, different things that we've done to bless the community that we're a part of. We can go through a list and we could just sit here and brag on that and say, you know what, you know, if, if Grace Capital Church closed its doors today, people in the community would miss the church. That's, that's a filter that I live by. You know, if, 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 if you left, would anyone notice? If the church left, would anyone notice? And that's a, that's a filter that I live my life by because I truly, I don't care whether you have a different belief system than I do. I don't care if you look different than I do. You are a child of God. You are loved by him. And because of that, I don't, I don't care even if you have a different gender identity. You're loved by God. And because of that, you're loved by me. That's, that's how I try and live my life. That's how we should all live our life. In the book of Luke, I want you guys to open that. If you've got your Bible, if you don't, go to YouVersion or the Bible app, pull something up, or turn to the person beside you and look over their shoulder and read the Bible with them. There's, there's power in the Word of God. And so please, get into this. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, I, I want to invite you to stand up right now, exit this room, go into the coat closet. There's a lost and found, and a whole lot of people have left their Bibles behind. They're yours today. It's, it's yours. Free gift. Some of them might even be monogrammed. Try and find one with your name. <laughs> so in the book of Luke, chapter 4, in the book of Luke, chapter 4, and this is, I, I, I've, I've spoken through this scripture many times before. I love that this is one of my favorite passages because it's Jesus just speaking things out, you know, kind of coming onto the scene. Luke, chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. You guys all there? I still hear pages flipping. Okay. And she's there. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16, it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And beginning with verse 16, he reads what was written by the prophet Isaiah. The prophet. The prophet, because Isaiah spoke some things, and they were prophecy. Prophecy, things being told about something that will come in the future. And Jesus reads through from the prophet Isaiah, beginning with verse 18. I'm sorry, I may have said 16, but that's because the print is getting smaller. Um, beginning with verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and covering, recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty, liberty and liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the, the attendant and off they went. Jesus proclaimed these things. He proclaimed these things. He was reading from the prophet Isaiah, something that had been spoken years, years, decades, centuries before. And he reads this scripture. There's, there's such great meaning and significance to the fact that Jesus was handed this scroll. He didn't, mind you, he didn't ask, bring me that one from Isaiah. 
They just handed him the scroll. See, God has everything lined up perfectly. God orchestrates everything. Don't question anything that God is doing. Don't. But in this, he reads this scripture, and then he hands the, uh, hands the attendant, gives the scroll back, and then he sits down, and he sits down, and everyone's looking at him because no one else is talking yet. And he says, today, in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. Jesus steps onto the scene and says, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm going to do. I've been anointed by God to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He spoke all these things out. This is what I'm going to do. Along his journey, he gathered all kinds of people with him. He said, come with me. Come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, he said. And without question, people in the middle of their work day, Bill Higginbotham slamming things with a hammer, Jesus shows up and says, follow me. And Bill drops his hammer and walks with Jesus and follows him for the rest of his life. Maybe you're an accountant and Jesus says, follow me. And you say, you know what? I hate green bar paper anyway. Yeah. And you run to catch up with Jesus. Whatever it is that you do, whatever your occupation, Jesus says, follow me. And as he gathers people with him and speaks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, he speaks about these things. He doesn't just speak about them. He does things. He sets the captives free. He, he, he raises the dead. Blind gain recovery of sight. He does what he says he's going to do. Later on, he tells them, and you're going to do even greater things than what I've done because the Holy Spirit is within us. Now, there's a debate on, well, like, how can you do greater than raise someone from the dead? How can you do greater than give recovery of the sight? I don't think it's a, a matter of the quality of the things that we're to do. I think it's a matter of the quantity of the things that we're to do. See, Jesus was doing it. Jesus was going about his way. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Get the fullness of the Holy Spirit in you. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to speak through you. Do the things that he shows you to do. Well, if Jesus is one person and he's doing those things, and now I look around the room and I see a room. I see an army. Go back to William Wallace for a minute. I see an army of men and women, children, who are full of the Holy Spirit within them. And in that, I, I think it's more of the quantity. Greater things you will do, because imagine if we set you guys loose in this community. Do you know that you've been set loose? Amen. You are set loose. Amen. And anyone who doesn't feel that way, man, you are loosed. Go, go. And, you know, every morning when we have our, our team time at the beginning before service, my final statement to everyone, all right, Go get them. Go get them. You are loosed. Go get them. Go follow the leading of the Holy Spirit wherever you go. Our community should want us because we live in the community. Our community should want us because we're going and doing great things through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're living lives next door to people and we're loving them. It's funny. He tells us to love our neighbor. Right? Okay, causing me to question that now. He calls us to love our neighbor, right? Okay, 
Who's our neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. Let's, let's, let's drill down here and get a little bit more specific. Who's your neighbor? Oh, shut up. Let's get, let's get more, more specific. Who's your neighbor? How about the person right beside you, like where you live, the house, the apartment building, the condo, the townhouse, the box, for that matter. We have homeless people that attend this church, and we love them just the same. So I say the box, or the tent, or the shelter. Who is your neighbor? The people that live right beside you. The people that, you know what, can someone do me a favor? You're going to need a key, Anthony. Uh, In the closet, a whiteboard with a big marker. Um, I, I, I need a, I, I, I want to draw um, picture pages, picture pages. I want to draw this morning. Jesus didn't hear me. Don't get distracted. He's, he'll come back. Um, Jesus didn't tell us to become acquaintances with our neighbors. He called us to love them. In order to love our neighbors, that means we need to actually know our neighbors. We need to know our neighbors. We need to know the people that live beside us. We need to know the people that live behind us, in front of us, all around us. That's how you love your neighbor. Get to know them. Find out things about them. Let me ask you a question. The person beside you, not here physically right now, but the the people that live right next door to you, do you know their names? Cool. Do you know their kids? Do you know their struggles? Do you know their triumphs? Do you know the things within their life that that break their heart? Do you you know the jobs that they have or don't have because maybe they just lost one? See, that's, that's how you get to know your neighbor, rubbing shoulders with your neighbors, getting to know them, finding out things about them. That's when, when we do that, when we truly do that and live that out, when, when we get to know the people beside us, to our left, to our right, in front of us, behind us, the houses in the community that we live in, when you know those things, you can better care for those people and love those people. You can do the things that Jesus spoke out saying, this is what you're going to do because this is what I've done and this is what I've shown you. Oh, he's even bringing an easel too. Man, ask and it will be given, pouring over even, overflowing. Okay. Ah, cool, and it's even clean. Usually there's notes on here from other meetings that we have. So here's, thank you. Awesome. Because he thought I was going to (laughs) cry. So this is what I want to do this morning. I, I'm drawing SpongeBob SquarePants. I'll crush you. This is why I'm not a teacher because the kids would never be able to read my writing. But that's my house right there in the center, okay? Consider my house your house. Who lives here in your neighborhood? Do you know their names? Do you know their kids' names? Do you know where they work? Do you know what's going on in their lives? Challenges, struggles, celebrations. How about these people over here? The people here? and here, and here, and here, and here, and here. See, this, this for me, this is a great exercise. 
This, this was like an epiphany the other day when we were all kind of talking through what it means that our community would want us. This, this is a wake-up call for me. I need to know my neighbors. Now, I've done, we've lived in the same home for 14 years now. We plan to live there for another 50. Yeah, because that'll be 93, and that's still possible. Um, <laughs> in the 14 years that we've lived in our neighborhood, these people here, well, there wasn't a house here before, um, but these people here, the wife, Charlene, had a sister who just life became overwhelming and she killed herself. I remember it was a, it was a Wednesday night and we had impact here. I was leading the youth and we were talking and we were talking, funny enough, about loving your community. And I can remember saying, I don't even want to be here tonight. I'm sorry, kids. I don't want to be here tonight. I, w I want to be with my neighbor. And I can remember leaving that night and going to be with my neighbor. Kind of, kind of the example of Jesus where he talks about the lost sheep, leaving the 99 to go find the one. All I wanted to do was be with Alan and Charlene and love them and care for them. We were able to do the funeral of her sister right here in this room. Matter of fact, there were more people in this room at her funeral than there are this morning. She was loved, and yet she was so mistaken about where things were in her life. This house here, kind of a crazy story, but I was journaling one morning, and as I was journaling, my phone was buzzing and buzzing and buzzing, and I'm like, I saw that it was Kim, and you know, part of me was like, woman, don't you know I'm with God right now? Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> But I, as I was driving back into the office, I, I grabbed my phone and she was all freaked out because there were gunshots. She's going, you know, like, what, what do I do? What's going on? And the police were all over our street. Now, there aren't a lot of houses on our street. So when you get, you know, 20 conquered police cars on your street, you know something's going on. She had heard two gunshots the first one was Matt killing his wife. The second one was him killing himself. We did the funeral for Matt as well. We just wanted to love our neighbors, their family, their extended family. They had two kids, and we cared for them and loved, loved on them. We did whatever we could. There are other neighbors. Um, actually, elders in our church are right over here. This family that now moved into this house is a great family. Our kids play together. These guys over here have a sugar house, like 400 taps and trees, and we get maple syrup from them because we go down and help cut wood and get it ready, and there's nothing better than free homemade maple syrup. No. I don't do it so I can get free maple syrup. I do it. I do it because I love them. And I just want to hang out with them. And sometimes the best day is spent with a chainsaw in your hand. And so we hang out and we meet needs. We care for each other. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Care for your neighbors. Don't just, yeah, I, I, I wave at them. I, I know them 
You know, I, I wave every time I'm leaving. Some of you right now, you're, you're feeling like, it sounds great, I'd love to be able to do that, but I just don't have any time. I want to challenge you to make some time. I, I want to challenge you to make time to love your neighbor, to care for them, to walk over and actually meet them, talk to them, share about your life. Don't just do it all at once. You know, like, <laughs> I've got to make up for 14 years now, so I'm going to go over and just puke my life on you. Don't do that. But go over and care for them. Just, here's, here's some, okay, there's a scripture in Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, beginning with verse, uh, ver, verse. sorry, I do need that tissue now. Second Chronicles chapter 7, beginning with verse 14, it says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. It goes on. Because we always read that one verse, it goes on. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. I want to encourage you. Some of you, you might need to humble yourself. Some of you, your neighbors are going to be out this afternoon. The Patriots aren't playing today, so don't worry about it. You've got all the time in the world. God just cleared your calendar. Some of you this afternoon, your neighbors are going to be out there raking their leaves. And some of you need to grab a rake and go over. And you need to repent to your neighbor. You need to actually walk over with a rake in your hand and say, hey, um... I think your name's Jeff, but I can't remember because, you know, I, I just haven't taken any time to get to know you. And I'm sorry. I've lived here for X number of years and I realize we don't even know each other. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Because I should be a better neighbor than that. Do you mind if I help you rake? And then just spend some time helping them rake their leaves. Who knows? Maybe they'll come over and help you rake later. But... Don't do it so that you might get someone to come help you rake your leaves. Do it so that as you're raking, as you're working side by side, raking those leaves, you can have a conversation with them and find out what's going on in their lives. Find out what their name is. Find out who their kids are. Find out what the name of the dog is that comes over to your lawn to drop things. (laughs) So you can at least correct the dog when he's coming across the street. Love your neighbor. Luke chapter 5, we're going back to Luke, one chapter after the verse we read before. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 27, and I'm going to read this, 27 to 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, again, just calling people right in the middle of their day. Kind of inconvenient, Jesus. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes... Now, you, you need to understand, if, you, if the context isn't here yet, tax collectors in this day and age are kind of like tax collectors in this day and age. Tax No, sorry, if you're a tax collector, please don't hear that. Tax collectors back then... We're, we're, we're the most um, ill-reputed of the community. 
There was, there was a lot of, um, I'm drawing a blank at the word. Well, sure, they were cheaters. There, there, was, there was fraud. There was fraud because they fixed the numbers so that they taxed you more than you were actually to be taxed. And they kept a portion for themselves. They were liars, they were cheaters, they were scum. And they throw a party for Jesus and make him a great feast in Levi's house. And there was a large company of tax collectors. There's all kinds of other ill-reputed people all gathering around. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There's a lot that goes on in this little story. Jesus calls Levi, calls him, follow me, and he leaves everything that he's doing and follows Jesus. Over time, I'm sure there was a change in his heart. There was a change in his attitude. There was a change in his actions. And as he followed him, he just, let's have a party. And he throws a party and he invites all of his sinner friends all the tax collectors, and they all come together and have a party with Jesus. They're feasting and they're reclining. It means they're relaxed. They're having fun. And Jesus is relaxed with them. He's not uptight. This is where I think I, I'm saying, like, I want to start a fight. He's not uptight about the sinners in the world. Matter of fact, he wants to hang out with them. He knows their names. And he hangs out with them. Jesus didn't walk in the little Christian bubble. You know, I've got to stay where it's safe. I've got to stay where no sin can get on me. You can't catch sin, okay? You can do sin, but it's not like someone, you know, like, and you sneeze sin on someone, okay? Get that in you. You should be surrounding yourselves with sinners. Not so that you can feel better about yourself, not so you can feel better about your life, like, well, I thought I had it bad, but look at this guy. No, you're supposed to be surrounding yourself with sinners so you can start talking to them about Jesus. You can be Jesus to them. You can proclaim liberty for those captives. You can restore sight for those blind. You can proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to those who feel like, man, there is no Lord. To get to know the names of those, hang out with them, have a party, celebrate, dance with them. Even if you come from a Nazarene background where they say dancing's evil because it leads to sex. I've come to find out that sex leads to dancing. So. Are you the minister in your neighborhood? Are you the minister in your neighborhood? Because scripture's very clear. Each and every one of you, each and every one of you are a minister. Each and every one of you are a minister. Are you the minister in your neighborhood? Are you taking the right place that God has given you in your neighborhood to be a minister to those all around you, to care for and love? Now, maybe you're not a pastor, and so, you know, like if, if, if sister commits suicide or, you know, husband and wife murder-suicide, maybe you don't have the ability to do a funeral, a service for them, but I bet you can cook a meal. Amen, right. I bet you can go over and hang out with the kids and maybe play baseball with their son. You, you can do some stuff just to be present with them 
and to love them. Are you the minister in your neighborhood? I don't even know how to meet my neighbor. How, how, how would I meet my neighbor? How, how do you meet anyone? Hey, I'm Kevin. Just walk over and introduce yourself at the mailbox. Everyone gets mail. I'm not saying stalk your neighbor, <laughs> but maybe you realize that there's a pattern and every day when Bill drives in the driveway, he gets out of his car, walks to his mailbox, gets his mail, and then goes back into his house. Maybe for a while you kind of hang out on your porch, right out in the front of the house, and you just hang out there on the rocker with you know, a Snuggie on because it's getting chilly now. Um, and you wait for Bill to drive in his driveway and then start walking to his mailbox and meet him at his mailbox. You go, hey, how are you? I'm Kevin. Except if your name's Kevin, or not Kevin, don't say that. You know, use your name. Just fill in the blanks. Hey, how's it going? And after they're freaked out for, you know, a moment, like this guy's never talked to me in however many years he's lived here and now he's walking over or she's walking over to talk to me at my mailbox. Just say, you know, I've been been watching you for a while and I realize you come to your mailbox every day at this time. And don't say that. But what you can say is, oh, I was just sitting there and I saw you coming out to your mailbox and I thought I'd come over and just meet you. Find out what your name is. Talk to you for a minute. So find out what their name is and talk to them for a minute. And then maybe the next day or a week later, say, you know what? Hey, my, my wife is an incredible cook. Why don't you guys come over our house and have dinner? Don't bake lasagna and bring it to them. I mean, I'm sure they'll love that, but you're not going to get to know your neighbor any better by giving them lasagna and sending them on their way. So my wife can cook or my husband can cook because I know some of your wives can't cook and some of your husbands can. I can cook. So I'll make a meal. Hey, I just made this killer chili. Why don't you guys come over and join us and invite them into your house? Invite your neighbor. What a concept. We're getting crazy here. <laughs> invite your neighbor into your house and have a meal with them. Invite their kids. Let them draw on your walls. Maybe don't let them, but don't get mad at them if they do, because that's what kids do. They might make a mess in your house. Just get used to it. Your house was given to you by God anyway, so it's his. So if he's not going to get mad at the drawing on the wall, you shouldn't either. But you can love them. You can care for them. You can, you can yeah, I, trust me. God gave me my house. My kids have written all over the walls. Care for your neighbors. I don't even want to talk about how our community should want us as a church yet, because if we can't get it on the micro level, if we can't get it on the one-to-one -one level, then we shouldn't, like, let's forget about how our community should want us as a church. Your community should want you. Your neighbors should want you in their neighborhood. Your neighbors should see that because you're in their neighborhood, they are blessed because the presence of God is in their neighborhood. Not only that, but you're called to spread the presence of God in your neighborhood. That means make disciples. That means share your life with them so much that you have conversations with them about Jesus. You can have simple conversations with them about Jesus. Let them ask you some more questions. Let them ask you more questions. Maybe start a life group with some of them. Bring them into your house and share the gospel with them 
And as you share your life and the gospel with them, which should be just like this, your life and the gospel intersecting at all times. As you do that, you're gonna see more and more that we're never ever gonna have to talk about our community should want us again because your community will want you. It won't be something to strive for. It'll just happen because we're living life, we're living community the way that he has set us to live. To be light in the darkness, to be salt all over, to season with grace and love and mercy. So meet him at the mailbox while they're mowing the lawn. Trust me, if they've got a push mower, they want a break. Interrupt them, let them turn it off for a minute. Al stopped by my house the other day when I was splitting wood. I didn't turn off the splitter because I wanted to hear him. I turned off the splitter because I wanted a break. They're always just a little over. <laughs> I wanted to hear him too. I wanted to talk to him. While they're raking their leaves, while they're out just doing whatever in their yard, or maybe they don't ever come out. Maybe they're one of those families that have the garage and as they're driving down the road, they hit the button and the garage door comes up and they drive the car in and the garage closes and you never see them. Um, this is cool. God's given you a tool. It's this. I don't want you to punch your neighbor, but I want you to <laughs> knock on their door. Knock on their door. I know this is radical. Knock on their door and introduce yourself. Get to know your neighbors. For those of you who already know your neighbors, like, yeah, I know my neighbors. You know, they, yeah, that's, that's Ginny and that's Sue and that's Bill and that's Mike and I know their kids and I know their dogs' names and I know what they do for work. Have you ever had a deeper conversation than just that? See, what I'm telling you right now is like, get to know your neighbor 101. But some of you, maybe you've graduated from that class and you need to go to the next level and you need to actually start talking with them about who you are and who he is in you. Because that's, that's necessary. Now, St. Francis of Assisi made the statement, use, preach, preach the gospel at all times, and use words when necessary. It's necessary to use words. If you've lived around your neighborhood, and you know everything about your neighbors, and they're still just your neighbors, then maybe you need to start using words and preaching the gospel to them with your mouth, speaking. Talk to them. No high-pressure sales thing. I, I, have, I have a firm conviction that even if some of my neighbors never say yes to Jesus, I still love them because we're called to unconditionally love our neighbors. Even the guy with the leaf blower at 8 p.m. when your kids are trying to sleep. 4 a.m. The Harley that with no pipes on it, just loud. You're called to love them too. The teenage kid with the subwoofer that you can hear him coming two miles down the road just and it gets louder and shakes your house. You're called to love them too. The family that looks completely different than you. You're called to love them too. They cook weird things and it smells. You're called to love them too. Father, I pray. God, I pray in Jesus' name 
that within each of us, God, you would expand our hearts for our community. We say that our community should want us. God, I pray that first that begins by saying we want our community. God, that our heart would be like your heart for the people that surround us in our neighborhoods. We would love them, we would care for them. God, as we know them, God, you would do a work in our hearts that would expand our hearts for them. God, you would give us creative ways to to care for them and love them. In celebrations and in crisis, God, you would give us the ability to speak life and hope and peace into their situations. You would use us, God, you would use us for your glory to expand your kingdom. God, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.